You are listening to Audio Drama in a Darker Shade at darkerprojects.com. And now our feature presentation. Darker Projects welcomes you to Quantum Retribution. Once you enter, you may never escape. To a precious few it was a paradise. A haven from the hectic pace of the real world. To others, it was a nightmare. Nothing on this quaint island is as it seems. Beneath the tranquil lull of the ocean and the beautiful gardens, Dr. Nathaniel Lothman carved out a project based on Dr. Sam Beckett's theories on time travel. Hungry for the power to reform history to his own liking, Dr. Lotherman integrated himself into the project and became Lothos. As his staff work to his ultimate goal, their lives are held in the balance. Still vigilant to be who they are in a complex where danger lurks around every corner, their secrets lie buried and passions rest dormant. For how long? Last on Quantum Retribution. Soon, Tata. Very soon we will talk. And you will learn that for what you learned for these many years. And I do hope that you answer correctly. I know that Dr. Hugh one of the few human beings that Lothus trusts, but I am not going to be intimidated, not even by him. For the next two weeks, both of you are required to eat lunch and dinner together. Yes, Lothus. Lunch and dinner. Yes, Lothus. I will escort you to lunch tomorrow, precisely at 12.30, ma'am. What possessed you to think that you had to talk directly to her, Mr. Conroy? You were neither asked nor required to do so. So what am I supposed to do? talk to the back of her head, or through the paper sack she'll be wearing when we're dining? Is that how it will be? Enough! From this moment on, there will be no more questions about the mask or about anything. Now, instead of only sharing lunch and dinner with each other, you will spend all of your spare time away from work with Siren for the next two weeks. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Does that mean I'll share her quarters and her bed, too? How's Dr. Malvison? Dr. Grant is with her at the moment. Why? Because I've got the evening shift in ICU. Zoe's stable and sleeping quietly. Satisfied, Dr. Hugan? Yes. Call me for condition worsens, Hazel. Dr. Malvison was shot in the back. She's had surgery and is in the ICU now, but it's highly unlikely she'll ever leap or observe again. Name the time, the place, the game, and I will be there. Are you up for it? Are you ready to do whatever it takes to succeed, to win? Just try to keep me away, Tims. Oh, you're good enough for the simple leaps. But there's only one leaper good enough to step into Zoe Malvison's boots. Me.
Throughout the day, as the life and business of the complex continued under Lothor's order and direction, he kept watch over Tala. The day had begun to wane, the sun edging downward toward the horizon when Lothos at last noted Tala waking. Good morning, Tala. Evening is more like it. Isn't it? You are correct, Tala. The time is 6.33pm. Now shower and dress. We have much to discuss before you report to Dr. Cupin for your stress test. After showering, Tala dressed in a black, body-hugging Lycra bodysuit and boots, then left her quarters and headed down to the control center. Tala waited patiently to be admitted into central control. Upon being admitted, she moved immediately to the center of the room. As was required by every person summoned into Lothar's presence, Tala stepped into the solid red circle on the floor some 15 feet and centered before the near wall-sized computer panel. First bowing her head in respectful acknowledgement, she began to speak. I am here, Lothus. Sit if you wish, Tala. You have asked me before about your parentage. What would you like to know? Over the years, Tala had asked Lothos on a number of occasions very respectfully couched questions concerning who her parents were, but had never received any sort of a response. Now, as she looked up at the red orb before and above her, she was more than a bit surprised at the point-blank delivery of Lothos' statement, unsure, unable to voice the question that had always sprung first to her mind in the past. Who were my parents? When Tala didn't immediately respond to his question, Lothos took the initiative. Would you care to know about your mother? Who she is and why she chose not to raise you personally. I I want to know everything about my parents, both my father and my mother. But I don't understand, Mothus. Why are you telling me now, when you've known all this time that I've been searching for the answers? I deemed it necessary to withhold that information until such time that it became necessary to tell you. Certain events have occurred which make it necessary that you be given the information for which you have sought. What I did was done in your best interests, Tala, so that you would develop your own sense of self rather than for you to attempt to fit a mold based on your parentage. You have achieved that sense of self of who you are. You are a confident young woman who knows her mind and her strength, and it is for all of those reasons that you are here now. At this moment, your mother is in a serious condition. I believe that you should come to know her to help her. Why is it only now? One of my parents is in a life-threatening situation that I get to know them. What's happened to her that she's now in a serious condition? Is she ill? She has been violently attacked by our enemies. She was shot in the back and will never walk again. <sighs> the only person that I know of in the project that was shot by our enemies was Dr. Zoe Malveson. And if he's saying that she's my mother, he's got to be joking! Dr. Malvison? Lothus? Are you... Are you saying that Dr. Malvison is my... mother? Just like your mother, so full of fire. Yes, Tara. Dr. Zoe Malvison is your mother. Now you can understand the reason that you have clashed with her so often. It is because you two are so much alike. 
Lothos didn't miss a single nuance of Tala's expression as she jumped up from her chair and began to pace. The look on her face clearly indicated his and Zoe's youngest daughter's temper was already soaring for new heights. For Tala, it was a moment she would never forget when she suddenly stopped pacing and turned to face the red orb as she found her tongue. May I speak freely, Lothos? As he watched the temper and fire beginning to sparkle in his daughter's eyes, Lothos drew upon his recorded memories of his human experiences, specifically those with Zoe Malverson. He reviewed again the memories of the times when he and Zoe had worked together, the countless times they had argued, laughed, fought, and of course loved. He reviewed every memory and saw in the angry young woman pacing before him the distillation of both of them in her, and Lothos liked what he was seeing. He liked it very much indeed. This is exactly what I want from you, Tala. To see that feisty spirit to learn and question which you inherited from your mother come to life in you, my child. You may. You have just told me that I've been working alongside my mother for the past three years and you haven't bothered to tell me until now? Until she is sentenced to a life in a bed or a wheelchair? And now you have the audacity to tell me that I'm like her? Tala paused in her pacing behind the chair in which she'd sat, grasping the top of it so tightly that her knuckles turned white. So seething was her fury over the monumental information with which she'd just been slammed that she needed something to grab onto tightly. No, no, that wasn't true. She wanted to throw something, anything, to demonstrate that she had every intention of venting here and now the massive volume of anger and fury ignited within her just a moment ago. So why was I shirt to the side like a cloth all tattered and torn? Was I not up to her standards when I was born? Or was it something totally different? Oh, hell, and what of my father? Who is he? And why hasn't he been involved in my life? Why, Lothus? Tell me! Tell me everything right now because I'm not leaving here until you do! Tell me! If another person had accidentally gained access to central control at that moment and witnessed Tyler's behavior and furiously screamed demands of Lothos, they would have made an even hastier retreat. Of course, none did, and Lothos took his daughter's strong, not unexpected reaction in his stride for the moment. Zoe has never been a maternally minded woman. In fact, she was, to put it mildly, less than thrilled when she discovered she was pregnant. Later, during her labor, she reacted as I suspected she would. It was a very long and exceedingly painful labor for her. During her delivery, she spoke without thinking. Dr. Grant was the attending physician, and he took her quite literally at her word. I am sure that had Dr. Hugen been the attending physician, he would have allowed Zoe a chance to calm down. However, Dr. Grant did not do so, and since he is charged with looking after the health of the people in this facility, he decided to place you in the complex's main childcare facility. Based on Zoe's reaction to her labor, and more so during her delivery of you, he concluded that you would be safer if you were separated from her. At the time, I concurred. For 24 years? How is that healthy for a child to not know of her mother in those formative years? Those first years when a child needs her mother, when I needed her! Shouldn't Dr. Grant have thought of that? Zoe would most likely have throttled you the first time you cried for no apparent reason. In some aspects of your temperament, you take decidedly after your father. In others, your temper is similar to your mother's. Can you sit there knowing yourself as you do and honestly say that you would be patient with a crying child? Hell no! If it were my child, and it needed love, I would do anything, anything, for her or him. 
including realizing that you are not the best mother for the child. Zoe knew this immediately. She never deluded herself about her maternal qualities. She knew that she would have been a terrible mother, and that she would have been punished if she had failed to tend to you properly. And what of my father? Was he of the same realization that he would be a terrible father? Or was he one of those men who just impregnate a woman and then leave, never to be seen or heard from again? Damn it, answer me! Now the moment comes. I have always watched over you, just as I always will, my child. Those few words did what nothing else could have at that moment, dissipating Tala's fury so suddenly that she stumbled backwards, her eyes wide, disbelief naked in her face, as Lothos' words ricocheted in her mind. She wasn't sure how she managed to find the chair again, just grateful that she had. Why didn't you tell me long ago? If I had, you would have been known as Lothos' daughter, not as Tala. Your individuality would have been shattered. To hell with individuality! I can't believe that you kept this from me! How dare you! You are out of line, Tala! So... are you, father? Take care, Tala. Do not think that because you are my daughter that I will not treat you as I treat everyone in this complex. In the midst of his first clash with one of his daughters, Lothos had kept close attention on Tyler's physical reaction. Even as he warned her, he advised Dr. Edward Grant through his ear implants of the situation in central control. So, I have seen. Damn you. Damn you, damn your machine, and damn your mistress. You must learn, my child, that your life is in my hands. You must learn that no matter who you are, Tyler, you are only a servant, a possession, my possession to do as I choose. Silence descended over the room, interrupted only by Tyler's asthmatic wheezing. In the few moments between hearing Lothos, her father's warning, then hearing the door open, she fell to her knees, then slumped over, catching herself on her hands. In the infirmary, Edward Grant hadn't wasted a second when Lothos advised him of the problem in central control, just grabbed an always-ready medical bag complete with a small portable oxygen bottle and mask, and ran out of the infirmary. Now as he knelt beside Tala, deftly placing the mask over her nose and mouth, then turning on the oxygen, Edward Grant wasn't one to mince words. His tone, as it always did with those over whom he had authority, brought instant obedience. Breathe, Tala. Slowly and deeply as you can. It's all right, Tala. Try to relax. Give me your arm. That's it, Tala. You're going to be fine just as soon as the epinephrine gets in your system. Yes, that's much better. Flipping the oxygen mask off of her face nearly as fast as it had been put in place, Tala lifted her head to look up at the red orb. This doesn't change anything. I did not expect it to. Attend to her, Dr. Grant. When she has recovered sufficiently from the attack, she is to go to correction for 24 hours for insolence. Lothos summoned assistance to transport Tala to the infirmary, and a few minutes later Tala was wheeled out of central control on a stretcher. There was no question that Edward Grant would obey the order just issued to him.
Um, where am I? The infirmary. How do you feel, Tala? Moving slowly, Tala sat up on the bed. She let her head equalize with the movement for a moment, then swung her legs over the side and stood up. Where do I need to go? At the moment, I want you to sit back down. But... No arguments, Tala. You've just gotten over a bad asthma attack, and I've given you an additional injection that will help control any possible attacks in the next 24 hours. Lothos does not want you to come into any danger of complete bodily shutdown during your correction. Besides, you're not finished here as yet. In addition, it's time for your weekly stress test. Your correction will begin after Dr. Hugen has finished the test. Fortunately for you, Tala, Lothos doesn't deem your transgression severe enough for me to be the torture master at your session. Tala had remained silent as Dr. Grant forcefully reseated her on her bed, keeping her expression bland as Dr. Grant talked. The only chink in her expression came when he commented that he wasn't going to be her torture master. Tala was grateful for that small favor granted. She'd heard and overheard whispered recounts of Dr. Grant's preferred methods of punishment. So how's Tala doing, Dr. Grant? Quite well, Doctor. <laughs> well, looks like I made it. You must be a glutton for punishment, Tala, because you never seem to listen to what I've told you more times than I can count. Namely, to use your inhaler when you feel an attack beginning. Well, I didn't think I would need it when I was talking to Lothus. I wasn't stressed out until the middle of our conversation. Be quiet. I want to listen to your heart. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Again. Again. Well, your breathing and heart rate are back to normal. Look straight ahead, please. All right, then. Well, everything looks good. Compared to the results of your stress test last week, your stress level is definitely up. I'm ready to begin my stress test, sir. In light of what happened a little while ago, I've decided to forego the test for this week. Why? I don't think a stress test just prior to facing 24 hours in correction is very wise. You'll do well to get through that without a major attack. Will I be able to have an inhaler during my correction? I've made that suggestion to Lothos. I'm sure that will be the case given the stress level that correction is going to cause. You are correct, Dr. Hugen. Thank you, Lothos. Your inhaler has been adjusted minutely to increase the potency of the medication, but only for the duration of your correction. Afterwards, come see me and I'll readjust it to your regular dosage. I might as well not have the damn thing and just have another attack. That would be punishment enough for my body, but obviously they want me thoroughly to be in... No. Lothus. My father wants me to be thoroughly and completely punished. Fine. If that's the case, so be it. Thank you, Dr. Hugen. You're welcome, Tala. It's likely you may have an attack during your correction. Hopefully it won't be severe, and perhaps Lothos will be a little more lenient considering your health. I appreciate that very much, Dr. Hugen, but please don't worry about it. Lothos knows of my health, and has for quite some time. 
if if we're finished here, please tell me where I need to go, Dr. Hugan. Dr. Grant will escort you to the correctional level. Lothos wants a physician available in case you have a recurrence on your way there. I'll bring the adjusted inhaler down to you before the session begins. Come with me, Tala. Consider yourself fortunate, Tala, that Lothar sentenced you to only 24 hours of correction. I'm not exactly clear on the degree of the insolence Lothar spoke of, but since it occurred within central control, I would dare to say that any other person would have gotten three days of correction. Edward merely nodded at Tala's startled reaction. When the elevator stopped, he gestured for her to exit the elevator ahead of him. It was a moment Tala would never forget as she followed Dr. Grant to the sign-in desk. She felt almost physically assaulted by the chilling screams and cries emanating from just beyond the double doors clearly marked correction cells. A shiver of fear trickled down her spine at the muted but unmistakable sound of whips cracking, punctuating the screams of men and women enduring their own correction or punishment. All of it was set aside in her mind for a moment when Tala heard Dr. Grant speak to her. Tala. Come here. Name? <clears throat> Tala Lothaman. What's the charge? Gross insolence during a meeting with Lothos in central control. Sign here. Butter in cell number 37. I'll page Jessica. Tala strove to keep her face devoid of expression as the volume of those in agony in the cells within rose. Anxiety swarmed over her as she trailed closely behind Dr. Grant as he strode down a hall, turned left, then right, until he halted at last before a door marked 37. She watched him open the door to the cell, then at his command entered before him. The TM assigned for your correction will begin shortly, but until then you will prepare yourself. Strip, Tala. Place your clothes on the small table there by the door and your boots under it. Then sit on the mat by the wall. Too bad Lothos didn't assign me as your TM, Tala. I'd love to hear you beg me for mercy. <laughs> Not that you'd get it. Seeing TM Jessica and Peter Hugan entering, Edward huffed slightly as he left the cell. Stand up and face the wall, Ms. Lotherman. Peter waited, watching as the TM ordered Tala to her feet, then chained her spread-eagle face to the wall opposite the door. Only when the TM nodded to him did Dr. Hugan approach her. Until your correction is over, you will answer to Jessica. She will allow you to use this inhaler any time it becomes necessary. And don't hesitate to ask for it if you need it. Understood? Yes, sir. Thank you. Remember Lothos orders. You are not to punish her to the point where she cannot breathe on her own, and she is to be allowed to rest for five minutes every hour. Am I free to use whatever method of correction I choose, in light of your special orders, Dr. Hogan? Those special orders are from Lothos himself. However, just so there's no misunderstanding, Jessica, yes, you may correct her as you see fit. 
Don't overstep those orders or you may find yourself in a cell. Is that plain enough? Seeing the way the TM's dark eyes flashed as she nodded her acknowledgement was all the answer Peter Hugen needed. Glancing once more at Tyler, naked and chained facing the back wall of the cell, he left. As he walked away, Peter neither hesitated nor looked back when he heard the crack of a lash followed instantaneously by Tyler screaming. It was going to be 24 of the longest hours of her life. Silence! Siren, it is not a matter of him liking you and it would be fixed now! It's the act of being professional and respectful in order to accomplish your duties. Those qualities are highly important for the efficient operation of my complex. Without professionalism and respectfulness to each other, the logistics sector will fall behind and if that happens, correction will be meted out to everyone. The two of you behaving like brats in the schoolyard is behavior that I will not tolerate in the workplace from you or anyone else. It is unacceptable. Mr. Conroy, since you seem to think that this is humorous enough to warrant asking such a question, perhaps you need that prompt correction now. Hearing Lothor's pronouncement was the goad that prodded Siren to get slowly to her feet and move to stand beside Trevor Conroy. Glancing at Trevor's face, seeing the determination there, Siren took a step forward. Pushing her hair back from her face, she too now looked up at the camera. Lothus, this isn't necessary, and I... I am part of the problem here. He... Mr. Conroy was reacting to my heated words from earlier this morning. I wish that I had been more... Well... Less of a... A bitch... Mr. Conroy, I'm so sorry. All that Siren got for her attempt at accepting her share of responsibility was an icy glare from Trevor. In the depths of those aquamarine blue eyes, she read exactly what he thought of her attempt to intervene on his behalf. Thanks for nothing. Two guards who handle the most sensitive and high-level situations are approaching the office. Siren, do not be alarmed. Your identity is secure with them. The office door opened just then, admitting two security guards. Trevor had no doubt about whom they had come for or where they were going to take him. He offered no resistance. Are you Trevor Conroy, sir? Yes, that's me. Put your hands behind your back, sir. Let's go. Trevor didn't give the guards any trouble when he was given a push toward the door, but as he started to step past Siren, he paused to stare into her eyes. Come on, move it. I'll think of you with every lash. Come on, buddy, I said move it. Trevor stood quietly between the guards as the elevator descended, not giving them any trouble. God knew what was waiting for him four levels down, and there was no sense in giving Lothos any more reason to order an even worse punishment. In the few moments it took for the elevator to descend to the fourteenth level, only one thought got through everything roiling and tumbling in his mind. Alan is never going to believe this.
you have one allegiance only, to serve Lothos and to succeed in every mission you're given. Nothing, no thing, no person is to be placed ahead of your duty and total service to Lothos. There's only one rule in this competition. Succeed. Use whatever methods will enable you to achieve your goal in each of the three challenges that Lothos has decided upon for each of you. Thames went to Vaughan, stopping within three feet of the younger man with the unreadable expression. He searched that expression, but as he had discovered early on, Vaughan Rakai had a knack, not unlike Dr. Peter Hugan, for hiding his emotions. Stepping closer to him, Thames got right up in his face. Only the strongest and smartest, someone with the ability to think on their feet, will become the new Senior Leaper. Only someone who, when dropped into a situation with nothing, can take that nothing and turn it into success, not just once, but every time, is worthy of attaining the rank of Senior Leaper. Yet, for the person striving for the right to step into Dr. Malvison's boots, strength and smarts aren't enough. The Senior Leaper is able to blend so seamlessly into the situation that he or she becomes invisible in plain view. You must be charming, able to lie with such consummate ease as to make the lie more believable, more true than the truth, willing to sacrifice anything and everything, anyone, to serve Lothos. Can you do that? Can I give up anything for Lothos? Yes, anyone? Of course. I don't have a mate, and mom and dad have been dead for a long time. My life? Absolutely. If it means succeeding in my service to Lothos, then yes, I'll give up my life. Nothing or nobody had better get in my way, because I, Vorikar, am going to be the next senior leaper. There will be three challenges. The first two challenges for each of you will be identical in theme. The last challenge, however, will be unique for each of you. Tem's comment about the last challenge accomplished what nothing else had thus far, causing a slight frown to furrow between each leaper's eyebrows. His reply was just a smile. Deception is one of the primary methods of achieving success in a leap, so the first challenge is this. Each of you will be leaped into someone within this complex who is not part of the Leaper community. Once you have replaced that person in their life, you will be informed by Lothos through your implants of something in that person's life which you are to alter by deceiving those around them in order to destroy that person's credibility. Utterly. The more despicable or devious the deception, the greater the personal loss you cause them, the better you will score. Lothos will determine when or if you achieve the challenge. When he returns you to the acceleration chamber, the challenge is complete and you will return here immediately. Do you understand the first challenge? Yes, yes sir. Leaper Royden, report to acceleration chamber number one. Leaper Ricard, you will report to chamber number three. Go. Mr. Ricard. One final order. You will speak to no one along the way. Not a single word to anyone. If you do, you forfeit this challenge. It was instantly clear that both leapers had taken the order literally. Neither responded in any way. 
Watching the door close behind the last one out, at that moment all Thames could do was relax and wait. The hard part was now on them. Once he had sent Joanna and Vaughan off on their first challenge, Thames had nothing to do but wait. After about ten minutes of wandering aimlessly about the empty lecture hall, he decided to go and see how Zoe was doing, and set off for the medical level. So what if she's doped to the gills and out like a light? At least she can't nitpick about any of the four million and three things she usually irritates me about. For a moment, Thames stood in the doorway leading into the unit, watching the handful of nurses attending to the few unfortunates who needed to be in this place. When none noticed him or made any move to order him out, Thames took the chance and moved quietly further into the ICU. Luck was with him as he discovered when he glanced into the first open unit and saw a familiar shade of red hair against a snowy white pillowcase. Not wanting to distract the nurse as she finished her duties of caring for Zoe, Thames stood quietly in the open doorway of unit number two. He, like the nurse, jumped a bit, when at last she turned and saw him. What are you doing here? I'm sorry, Ms. Anderson. I didn't mean to startle you. I just came by to see how she, Dr. Malvison, is doing. Thames' dark eyes once more returned to the form on the bed. One of the most conniving and skilled leapers and leaping instructors he had ever known, now motionless save for the ventilator breathing for her. He shifted his gaze back to the nurse, now standing in front of him. So, how is she doing? You've been listening to Quantum Retribution, Episode 6, Truth and Consequences. Featured in this episode were Stephen Anderson as Tim's, David Alt as Lathos and the announcer, Jim Barber as Dr. Peter Hugan, Mark Bruzee as Dr. Edward Grant, Robin Carlyle as Joanna Royden, MJ Cogburn as Tala and Siren Lothaman, Brandon Cole as Security Guard Number 2, Shane Harris as Trevor Conroy, Bill Hallweg as Desk Attendant at Corrections, Mark Kalita as Vaughn Ricard, Damaris Mannering as Torture Master Jessica, Paul Mannering as Security Officer Number 1, and Tom Davis as the Production Announcer. Written and produced by M.J. Cogburn and C.E. Crowick. Post-production by M.J. Cogburn. Executive producer for Darker Projects is Eric Busby. Theme music is available for download at sounddogs.com. Other music composed and performed by Richard Owens and Kevin McLeod. This has been a Darker Projects production.